You may be the first president in history to go down because you can't stop inappropriately talking about an investigation. I can definitively say the president's not a liar, and I think it's uh, frankly insulting that that question would be asked. Up to now, we have no profiles in courage among the Republicans. Somebody really speaking out saying Trump is bad for the country. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who didn't know that we attack ISIS from the country he's been attacking, the Emirate state of Qatar, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. So serious question, is Donald Trump experiencing cognitive decline? Before you react, I'd like you to listen to a couple of clips separated in time by 25 years. First, here's the Donald speaking on The Charlie Rose Show in 1992. In a lot of ways. Now, I have to tell you that a year and a half ago, everybody, nobody wanted to run against George Bush. It took a man from Arkansas who was the only one, you know, virtually one of the few people sure. that wanted to run because George Bush was unbeatable. There was no way you could beat this guy. And he turned out to, you and know, he just ran out way. of gas. It looked like David Dinkins couldn't... And now, here's Donald Trump responding to a question at the joint press conference he held with President Santos of Colombia in May, just a few weeks ago. Well, I respect the move, but the entire thing has been a witch hunt, and uh, there is no collusion between certainly myself and my campaign, but I can always speak for myself and the Russians, zero. Uh, Now, let's be fair. The guy in the second clip is 70, almost 71. The guy in the first clip was 46. There's a big difference. But is there something else making Donald Trump sound less coherent lately? Some kind of mental deterioration? The way someone uses language can tell us a lot. An analysis of how Ronald Reagan used language in press conferences has helped to establish that Alzheimer's disease was already affecting him years before he left the White House. And I don't want to make this a partisan point. A lot of things are Donald Trump's fault. But cognitive decline, if it's happening, isn't one of them. And I'm not entirely convinced that Donald Trump is deteriorating mentally. But my guest today is a science journalist who has examined the change in Donald Trump's speech very closely. And she thinks there's something going on beyond just the normal aging process or stress or rage. I'll be back to speak to Sharon Begley of Stat News right after this message. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, You don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. I'd like to welcome Sharon Begley. She's the senior science writer at Stat News, which is a health news website um, that's really great. It covers um, health-related topics in, in all sorts of interesting detail and angles. Uh, Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jacob. I wanted to have you on because of the article you wrote recently about the question of Trump and cognitive decline. 
And the piece looked very closely at his language and pointed out with a lot of evidence that Trump used to be, I think you say, not so linguistically challenged. His language when he was younger was more complex, more more sophisticated, bigger vocabulary. And you look at that and raise the question of what's going on here. Right. So this was a story that, um, honestly, we stumbled into. Um, a number of political reporters had been saying, huh, Trump just sounds different today than he did um, a number of decades ago. He, of course, has been in the public eye since the 80s. And as it happens, there's a great deal of the historical record um, where you can listen to him, watch him speaking uh, in interviews back to the, the 80s and 90s. So when I heard that, I thought, huh, I think I actually remember something like that myself. I'm old enough to remember when Trump was only a New York real estate developer. So what I did was pull as many of the clips that I could. Um, and the reason this is interesting is that a number of studies recently have looked at what's called spontaneous speech. It's not how well you read a written speech. It's just how well you speak um, unscripted. And they have used that as a sort of keyhole into cognitive function. So we thought this might be an interesting exercise. Yeah, I mean, there was that fascinating study that I think a team from Arizona State University did about Reagan and they looked at Reagan's press conferences because you want to look at someone's spontaneous speech, not their speeches, and compared it to the first President Bush and his press conference, uh, his press conferences when he was president. And with Bush, you had a kind of steady state. His language seemed to be pretty consistent over that time. With Reagan, you saw this change and it was the same kind of change, right? But in Reagan's case, People take that as a marker of Alzheimer's, which they knew he developed at some point. What does this point to with Trump? Is it the same thing? Right. Well, that, of course, is the the key question. So let me emphasize that this, of course, is journalism and not science. Um, We did a pretty quick pass. I spoke to a number of neurolinguists, uh, neurologists, and others who whose focus is the use of speech to understand cognition. Um, So there are a number of things that could be going on here. Um, So let me just describe some of the very clear changes in how Trump speaks over the years. Um, One is vocabulary level. Um, Back in the 80s and 90s, he used, um, you know, not terribly uh, jargony words, um, words that you would find in crossword puzzles, um, but they were at a level that is notably higher than as the way he speaks today. Um, you mentioned the Reagan-Bush study. That was interesting, not only because of the overlap with politics, but because it was one of the first that tried to pull out what metrics, what features of language should you look at in order to infer something about the the cognitive state of the person who is speaking. Um, So one of the things is the frequency of unique words per total number of words. So you look at a thousand words or in their, their, their case, many thousands of words. And how many unique words are there? And there are a few others. Um, vocabulary level is one that people look at. The concreteness of words is another. Filler words, how many ums and ahs. And perhaps unintuitively, um, 
the use of thing and related words, anything, something. And those are considered a marker of perhaps diminishing cognitive ability because when you can't think of the exact perfect concrete word, you'll say thing, right? Anyway, so what we did here at STAT and what I asked the experts to help us with was to listen to some of Trump's spontaneous speech over the years and see what they could pick out. So I'm, I'm not going to go through all of it, obviously, Jacob, but let me just mention a couple. So there was a long Charlie Rose interview. This dates back to 1992, which was, of course, another president, presidential election year. Ross Perot was running as a third-party candidate, um, and Trump said the following, had he not dropped out of the election, had he not made the gaffes about the watchdogs and the guard dogs, and they were real bad days, he could have conceivably won this crazy election. So let me just point out a couple of features there. So he began that with, had he not, this was referring to Perot. It seems like a little thing, but it's actually fairly unusual for people to say, in this case, had he not, rather than if he hadn't. Generally, um, people speak with the subject before the verb, the noun before the verb. And in that case, Trump did it, did not. So it's a slightly more elevated syntax than usual. And it might have been difficult to follow, as I just spoke, but if you could see it written down, he had a fairly complicated dependent clause in the middle of that utterance. Um, and if you are going to insert what in written language would be something set off by commas, you have to know where you're going. So you say a few words, then there's the clause set off by commas, and then you have to pick up where you were before that clause. And that, again, it seems simple when you say it, and for most people, it's fairly straightforward to do, but it requires forethought. It requires keeping your place, not losing your place as you're speaking. And again, the experts say that that's another marker of uh, cognitive ability and, and cognitive status. So that was the old Trump. And that was something that was very notable to the people who, who helped me with this. How, how much of a churn do you think is is just getting older? I mean, cognitive th- these markers could signal Alzheimer's or dementia or some something going really wrong. But could it also just be the difference between being in your forties and being? I think Trump turned seventy one this month, right? He turns seventy one next week. So I'm going to answer that, but let me first offer two different hypotheses before we go to cognitive decline, whether it's age related or pathological. This could be neither of those. This could be that it, it could be intentional. Um, Trump could be very aware of his base. He could be aware of how they like him to sound, how he, how they like him to speak. And he could be intentionally, um, I, I don't want to say dumbing down, but let's say simplifying his speech. So rather than the, you know, had he not construction um, of 1992, it could be a much simpler, straight on, straight ahead construction. Similarly, dropping words that are sort of high school level of vocabulary for something simpler. So again, he could totally know what he's doing. He sort of figured out how to win the White House. So we absolutely have to at least as a hypothesis, give him credit for knowing how to speak in a way that is effective for him. And that can just Another be a, sorry, just to, sorry to interrupt you, but that can just be an, an instinct, the way politicians sort of drop their G's and, you know, pick up a Southern accent if they're speaking to a Southern audience. Exactly. I mean, you're just, you're, exactly. you're reading the cues um, of your audience. So that absolutely has to be in the running. Another possibility is, um, as all of the researchers emphasized to me, regardless of how you speak in a 
they're calm, isolated situation. If you are under stress, your spontaneous speech can deteriorate. So Trump has himself described how he has been frustrated and angry, whether it's at the courts blocking his immigration ban, um, at how difficult Washington is. It's very different from being the CEO of a privately held company, which does not even answer to shareholders. So it's a very different experience. Um, you perhaps remember, Jacob, during the, one of the, his 100-day interviews, I think it was with Reuters, he even talked about how how difficult it is, and he actually liked his former life maybe a little bit better. So again... <laughs> I um, liked his former life better, of, too. Yes. <laughs> so the, the kind of um, convoluted syntax and other things that we picked out in this story from his utterances since the inauguration, it could simply reflect stress, anger, and other emotional things. Okay, so those two um, we, we absolutely included in the story. So now let's get to the key question. So people keep asking me, how do you tell the difference between Alzheimer's and the normal non-pathological, non-disease-related cognitive decline that comes with aging? The simple answer is it's either very difficult or impossible. But frankly, I'm not sure why it matters. Um, In some cases, Alzheimer's-related cognitive decline can be very, very quick. Um, It can be a steep decline compared to the normal cognitive changes that come as we get older. But, you know, frankly, cognitive decline is cognitive decline. And it's something that I think most people would not want in their leader. So again, simple answer is you can't tell, but I think a more nuanced answer is, does it, is that really what we need to be focusing on? You know, one thing I don't think you talk about in the pieces is sleep. I mean, I don't think Trump gets any sleep. He's up late watching Fox News and yelling at the TV, and then he's up early firing off tweets. And, you know, I, I know just personally that when I go nights running without getting a decent night's sleep, I'm barely coherent. I sound like Trump sounds now, but, you know, if I get a full night's sleep, I can I can form whole sentences. If that were a new behavior of his, I think you would be onto something. But my recollection is that he has been very proud of his ability to function at the high level that he did for all those decades as a real estate developer with minimal sleep. Um, So the thing that you want to do in an analysis like this is to take two time points, right? So that's why we did the 80s and 90s versus 2017 and ask what is different in the before and the after. So my understanding is that one thing that is not different is his sleep pattern. So yes, it could be that as you get older, um, you know, the all-nighters that we pulled in college um, and after which some of us, not yours truly, but some people um, managed to ace the final, that is a lot harder on our brains once we're older. So yes, it could be that the lack of sleep that he managed to just power through when he was a younger man is taking a toll on him in 2017. Um, You know, he has released only minimal medical records. um, So a lot of what he does is, uh, you know, sort of behind the brick wall, as it were. But yes, um, whether it's his tweeting habits or some of the other hints that he's dropped, he's not getting a full seven or eight hours most nights. You say it maybe shouldn't matter to us so much why he's impaired. The the question should be, is he significantly 
impaired and I guess the, the speed of the impairment. But I think most people would feel it, it would make a difference. I mean, Reagan had said that if he became incapacitated from Alzheimer's, he would, he would resign. Of course, he, he didn't even when it became more apparent in his last couple of years in office. But when you elect someone who's over 70 years old, you have certain expectations. You, you understand that that person is likely not going to be as sharp as they were when they were in their 30s. That just that just happens to people. But I think people would feel very differently if it was some kind of dementia, partly because of the other other things that can come along with that as it accelerates. Yes, and and I think the the key word there is accelerates because the cognitive decline that comes with either Alzheimer's disease or the other forms of dementia is absolutely much faster than if you just go from 70 to 71 to 72, etc. But I think that any cause of cognitive decline in the leader of the free world is something to pay attention to and possibly to worry about. I have no idea how much his supporters focused on last year or are focusing on this year. Um, the age factor, um, you know, was written about that both candidates were at the uh, older end of the spectrum uh, last year, um, and Trump will, as you say, be our oldest president. Um, on the other hand, Jacob, there are 90-year-olds who are still clicking on all cylinders cognitively. So the kind of changes that come with, uh, the kind of cognitive changes that come with aging um, are, are hugely variable. What's your gut about what's affecting him? I mean, with Reagan, the people who, who saw early signs of Alzheimer's were right. With George W. Bush, I mean, I'm the, I'm the collector of George W. Bushisms, you know, and after looking at that, I sort of came to the cl- conclusion that Bush actually probably did suffer from some sort of speech processing, some sort of language processing impairment akin to dyslexia. It wasn't particularly getting any worse, and it wasn't something that had necessarily been specifically identified, but there were patterns of the way he confused words that were that were consistent. What do you think it, if you, if you just having looked at it, what do you think it is with Trump's? What's, what's most likely going on? So, as I mentioned earlier, you have to keep open a possibility that it's intentional or that it's just emotional stress. And I throw those out there in the interest of fairness and all that other stuff. But in speaking to the experts that I did for the story, and I've been following up on it and speaking to more of them, the expert consensus, so I will channel that for you, is that something is going on. It's not an acute emotional response. It really is a an indication that there might be cognitive, i.e. brain decline that we are seeing in him. People cannot tell whether it's, again, a disease, pathological, a form of dementia, or age-related, partly because, um, although it may seem like we've been in this um, administration forever, it's only June. So it will take a lot more, probably not years, it, it, it should become clearer in months, if his unscripted speech continues to decline. And if we start to see a significantly accelerated decline, then I think that really is a red flag that something pathological might be going on here. Do the people who study this have uh, any way of designating the speed of, of decline? I mean, how fast is fast? And is there any way to, to mark how this, you know, you compare stuff from a long time ago, but is there a way to compare, you know, Trump now to six months ago to get a sense of how fast he might be declining if what you're talking about is a real phenomenon? Right. So, uh, as it happens, um, after my story ran, um, another paper, another research paper was published in a scientific journal 
looking at football players and their spontaneous speech, mostly during um, you know Q and A's with reporters. And what this study did was again analyze their spontaneous language and then correlate it with which of those players had suffered uh, CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is the brain damage you get from repeated uh, head injuries and, and concussions. concussions. So that struck me as very interesting because with the worst CTE, there was much more accelerated cognitive decline as shown by how the, how the football players spoke. So there's, this really is, you know, cutting edge research, Jacob, and I cannot tell you that there is a consensus in which people say, you know, if, if someone's vocabulary drops from fifth grade to third grade in six months as opposed to two months, then this means something, nor that if a person stops using dependent clauses you know, completely in some period of time, it really is um, breaking new ground with every study. Um, so really, it's just something that um, voters, that the American public will just, I would imagine, um, remain interested in and keep paying attention to. I know that the, the experts are paying extra attention to uh, when Trump speaks spontaneously, again, press conferences and, and other situations like that. I think some people have qualms about this kind of analysis because it can be exculpatory, to use a, a vocabulary word Trump might have used 30 <laughs> years ago and wouldn't use now. But, you know, when you when you pathologize someone's issues around what they say, uh, you tend to diminish the factors of morality, character, preparation, qualification. And, you know, it can be uh, ultimately if you think people have little control, you can't ultimately blame them in the same way. I think that's an interesting discussion. If it were, you know, someone in your family or a friend <laughs> or something like that. But when someone is in a position of such responsibility and such power, again, just seems to me that competence, cognitive function, brain function, regardless of the reason, simply have to come to the fore. Um, where I thought you were going with that is that I've also written stories um, describing what psychiatrists are seeing in Trump's behavior. And there, there is a very clear divide between those who think that there is some mental disorder going on and others who are saying, that's ridiculous, you are you are pathologizing, um, sort of the reverse of what you said, Jacob, um, you're pathologizing something that is just, you know, wrong or at least something that these observers disagree with politically. Um, so that is a very stark divide. I think in the case of cognitive decline, um, whether you're trying to find something exculpatory or using that um, in an exculpatory way, um, yeah, I, I think that's a hard sell. And what do you think the reasonable remedy or ask here is? Is, that, is it that Trump should have some kind of cognitive workup and it should be made public uh, and should be done in a transparent way? I mean, obviously, this is never going to happen. This is a guy who doesn't follow any other norms about disclosure and, you know, hasn't released medical records in the same way other presidents have. But we kind of want to know the answer to this question, and it would be reasonable to ask that he be examined, right? Well, you remember during the campaign that when he, quote, unquote, released his medical records, they were um, 
I think, skimpy with the fair assessment, um, and there was no uh, psychological assessment, no cognitive assessment. Um, but yes, yeah, so this is you know, completely hypothetical, speculative, because it does not seem that he's interested in being that transparent. Um, on the other hand, um, this is something that policymakers and legislators have grappled with because there is the 25th Amendment, um, which allows for a way for and specifically the cabinet to make an assessment, um, not themselves because most cabinet officials are not physicians, let alone neurologists, um, but with some kind of expert input to draw conclusions about whether the president um, is cognitively able to carry out the duties of his office. And there's a mechanism for, if the conclusion is no, for um, addressing that. So it is something that is built into the Constitution now. Um, how that would be carried out, I cannot begin to imagine. Um, but you know, at least it's there in the 25th Amendment. I've been speaking to Sharon Begley of Stat News. Sharon, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Jacob. And that's it for our show today. But before we go, are you following us on Twitter? To keep up with the latest from Trumpcast, follow our handle, at RealTrumpcast. That's at RealTrumpcast. I also have a recommendation for you. It's Isaac Chotner's podcast, I Have to Ask. Isaac is one of the greatest interviewers you will ever hear. He is totally fearless. He will ask people anything. But what he does is he gets a great conversation going with great guests like Chuck Schumer, the reporter Ashley Parker from The Washington Post, and the novelist George Saunders. I can't wait to listen to that one. I love George Saunders. You can find all the episodes of I Have to Ask at slate.com slash ask. That's slate.com slash ask. Today's show was produced as usual by Jason DeLeon. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. Trumpcast.